see here uh, with, with my wife Jessica and it's good to be here, it's good to worship together, good to exalt and lift up our wonderful Lord Jesus and I pray and I hope that what I've prepared this morning will be helpful, will be beneficial, will move you on in your relationship with God this morning. So let's pray, uh, then I'll read uh, the section that I've chosen and then get, get into it. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is so precious. We uh, are so grateful that you've spoken. You've, uh, it's been written down and we, we have it. We have a complete uh, copy. Nothing's going to be added to it. Nothing's going to be removed from it. I, just, I pray that as we examine parts of it this morning, it would really hit home. It would really hit to our hearts. It would do us good. Uh, as a result, we would treasure your word more than we do now uh, and uh, just different elements that uh, I believe you want to... Uh, draw draw to people's attention today would do people good and that as a result will be changed uh, from your word this morning amen okay so you're doing a series on proverbs and wow proverbs is a big book you could do anything really it covers the whole almost every theme there is in scripture every doctrine you can find a little bit on in proverbs and i make it a habit of mine to read through a little bit of proverbs every day uh because it is so good so full of advice uh so um it's just a good book if you haven't got that daily practice just even a proverb a day you'll get through it in i don't know a year or so perhaps uh, it's it would, it would work well it will stand you in good stead um and as I was praying, I thought, okay, Proverbs 4, the end of Proverbs 4, where it says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Uh, and we'll just unpack what that means and uh, how we can do that. But it's, it's important that your heart, and we'll look at what that means a little bit later, is kept, that you keep it with, with diligence, with vigilance. It will set you uh, good for the, for the long walk that is Christianity, for the, the marathon. Uh, it'll stop you from going to the left, to the right, but straight as, as God commands. So, Proverbs four twenty to 27, I'll read it, we'll get to work. Uh, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your feet from evil. So Proverbs, it's a wonderful collection of sayings uh, by, put together by King Solomon. There was a few others involved as well. Now, Solomon was a wise guy, wasn't he? He was given the gift of extraordinary wisdom from, from God. And people travelled from miles and miles away. And the Queen of Sheba went just to see the wisdom of his court and, and hear him speak on different things. So this is worth paying attention to. And chapters 1 to 9, it's this whole series of fatherly appeals, uh, really. It's a dad saying uh, to, to a son, listen, be attentive, incline your ear, hear and understand. As you read, you can just hear the heart of the father. He yearns to impart stuff uh, to, to his son, stuff that he's learned to someone who uh, lacks a lot of life experience and someone he cares for deeply. There's, there's loads of tenderness and there's a great earnestness there in the first nine chapters. You can hear the father saying, look, listen to me, this will do you good. And don't we as parents uh, feel like that? 
Uh, I'm new to the parenting uh, thing, and Clemency can't speak yet. She's, she does her best with little squeaks and giggles and lovely, beautiful noises. But I'm already planning things that I want to tell her, that I want to say. Look, the, the kitchen knife, that is not a toy. Uh, a good fatherly appeal, isn't it? Or... Uh, be careful when, when you learn to drive. Just assume that no one else on the road knows how to drive. That's a good bit of advice, isn't it? Uh, and you're not allowed a boyfriend until you're mm, 30 years old, I think we'll do. Uh, or just be careful where, with guys, because I am one and I know what they're like. I can help you. And if someone does ask you out, bring him rounds. We'll do an interview and we'll work on it together. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a control freak, but I, I care, and I want to spare her from, hopefully, a lot of mistake and a lot of, a lot of heartache. And that's the heart of Proverbs, isn't it? It's a fatherly appeal to a son. You know, and it's from sort of the world's most wise guy ever, I believe that, and it neglects this book to your peril, and also it's in the Bible, so therefore we believe it's, it's God's word to us. So, Father's Invitation to Wisdom. Wisdom is so precious. The Bible says that it is more precious than gold, more precious than silver, to be treasured, to be sought after. And why is it so valuable? Well, it leads to the fear of the Lord, fear and knowledge of God, which we all desperately need with increasing measure. We need to get to know the extent uh, of God's power, of God's might, of the extent of his glory, just getting growing our knowledge of him. Uh, and this leads to an appropriate fear. Now fear is, uh, you could do, there's books been written on the fear of God, and, and I'm just going to touch on it now, but what is it? It's, it's not a crippling terror, uh, but rather it's, it's a holy reverence uh, and a deep humility as you come before the king and creator of the universe. After all, he is, he is God. He is awesome. He is powerful. He does as he, as he chooses. No one can say to him, uh, why are you doing that? Or um, He is sovereign. He works all things out for, for his glory and the good of those who love him. And we need to grow in, in, in just when we come before him, actually, you're God, I'm not. You're awesome. I'm not quite so awesome. Yeah, I've been awesomely and fearfully and wonderfully made, but actually you're God and I'm just a, a creature, uh, a vessel, uh, a willing vessel in your hands, but a vessel nonetheless. So it's, you can debate in your small groups what is, what is the fear of the Lord and how you can really grow in it. But God, he, he gives wisdom. It's a gift from him as well. Uh, he's the source of it. Proverbs 2, six says the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge, comes understanding. Uh, and he's Jesus, his son, who is wisdom. People of the gospel say that people were amazed at every word that Jesus spoke, at uh, the authority that he had, at the wise words that fell from his mouth. Um, and in 1 Corinthians, it unpacks the difference between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. There, there is a difference there. Heavenly wisdom is... Uh, looks often quite foolish uh, to the world. And you need to be, beware you know, your own worldly wisdom and, and actually come under the wisdom from God, seek the word, see what that actually is. And other sort of streams of philosophy, streams of, uh, I don't know, tribal cultural wisdom. Yeah, some of it may be true, some of it may be helpful, uh, but seek real wisdom, wisdom from God, which may actually look quite foolish to a watching world. So, as Christians, we know that God is our Father. Uh, we are his children. 
Uh, God is a loving God who desires our good. Uh, and Proverbs and the whole Bible, it's, it's not just good advice. Uh, it's actually life-changing teaching. Uh, it's a revelation of God, of his character, of his glory. The whole uh, Bible uh, is for us, not, not just Proverbs. Uh, and take the advice of a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, be a person who loves this book. My, my main point this morning is going to be love this book. Get to know this book. Delight in this book. Memorize and study this book. Because there are so many good reasons to. Uh, and at least God wrote it. <clears throat> treasure it highly it will do you good these are God's words these are the source of wisdom this will increase your knowledge and the fear of God as you read it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and you need the Holy Spirit when you sit down to read say Holy Spirit the one who inspired these words help me make it relevant make it alive it is relevant I just want you to speak and apply it to me so the big theme of Proverbs it's to instill wisdom in God's people. A wisdom that is founded on the fear of the Lord, seeking to grow in your knowledge of him. And there's, there's a diligence, there's a, a discipline there, uh, which will lead you to a lifestyle of godliness. And we're saved by grace, which um, grace um, is a free gift, isn't it? We, we don't do anything to earn or deserve it. Uh, but... God's grace motivates us. Uh, Titus 2 says that uh, the grace of God appeared. It brings salvation to people, uh, but it trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So God loves us. It's a free gift. We love him as a result, and we live lives as a response to that. Uh, Lives of obedience for God, seeking to know his character and reflect that character out. So that's where godly living, the motivation for godly living comes from. Rule book, but it's a revelation of God and we seek to imitate uh, and obey him. And this brings real lifestyle change as you get to know him in the word. So part of that lifestyle is in Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. And it's the seventh in a series of uh, invitations from the father to his son. And before, just another little aside, interesting to note that actually wisdom is personified as, as a woman in Proverbs. I mean, wow, ladies, that's, that's good. Um, wisdom calls loud in the, in the street, she raises, her, she raises her voice, and there's many other places where it personifies wisdom as, as female. And men, you need to take that on board, you need to listen to your wives if, if God has given you the gift of a wife. And... Uh, yeah, um, I'm very blessed to have a very discerning, very uh, uh, knowledgeable uh, wife who's good at spotting things that, that I don't, and I thank God for her. Uh, but after, I, embarrassingly, a guy did bring me a prophetic word uh, once, saying uh, all these things, and in the middle he said, "You listen to your wife." Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Jessica likes to remind me, and it's it's very helpful. That's why we're in a. That's, yeah, that's why, well, we need one another. It's not good for man to be alone. And yeah, listen to your wife. Um, wisdom is a woman. Wow. Good point. <laughs> not going to go anywhere else. Okay, first little bit. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to their flesh. The author is really earnest here, isn't he? He's be attentive, incline your ear, let them not escape, keep them. That's four ways of saying, look, this is important. 
Uh, and we need this attitude more and more as we approach God's word. How many of us are here like to be told things, uh, especially by your, your husband and your wife or an authority figure? Uh, I don't very much. Um, I'm trying to grow in it. Uh, you think, what, what, what right has, on earth has that person got to say that? Who do they think they are? Oh, I know what's best. Well, actually, actually you don't. Um, and especially when it comes down to a difference between you uh, and God's word. Actually, God's word has got to win every time. As Christians, you are to be characterized by a humble and teachable attitude, a heart position that says, actually, I haven't got it all figured out. I've got some things uh, pretty much nailed, but I need to listen to other people. I need to seek uh, advice from, from other friends, Christian friends, from uh, Christian books. Um, I'm sure your elders can recommend them, uh, a load of fantastic books that they've read. Uh, I think that's one of the qualifications of an, of an elder. You need to be able to reel off at least 100 books when someone asks you. Um, yeah, but as a Christian, have a humble, have a teachable attitude. Be slow uh, to speak, but very quick to listen. Because we're all on this continual journey of learning, aren't we? Uh, especially in matters of faith. And you can learn from one another. That's why you're in a body. That's why we've got Christian brothers and sisters here. To learn from one another's examples and one another's words. So you, you might be thinking, I'm glad he said that because so-and-so is here. And they need to know that. They need to know that. They need to listen to me. But actually, chances are that it's your attitude that needs to change. You need to be more humble. You need to be more teachable. The Bible says that, that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Wow, I don't ever want to put myself in a position of opposing, being opposed by God. I never, ever want to be proud and uh, no one ever is fully humble, and if you claim to be humble, chances are you are not humble. Uh, there's a great book here, first first book recommendation uh, by C.J. Mahaney uh, called Humility. You think, wow, it's a bold move writing a book entitled Humility, but it's, it's excellent, it's very short. He just unpacks, actually, he's just a man who pursues humility by the grace of God and different ways you can do that. So be a person who is teachable, who comes under the word of God, who pursues humility. And don't set yourself up as a proud person who will be opposed by God. So, we're in community. We learn from one another. uh, Learn from other Christians in history. uh, Through their writings, through different biographies. I've just come back from a couple of days uh, training uh, with uh, with New Frontiers, with Relational Mission, who who we're part of and you guys are part of as well, on on church history. And just learning about guys like Luther, guys like Calvin and and other people around that time who fought for good doctrine, who saw stuff in in the word and, and thought, hang on a minute, we aren't doing that. And they were violently opposed a lot of the time. There was an awful lot of uh, nasty things done. Um, but these guys fought uh, for valuable doctrines like salvation by faith, which we, we take as, as, uh, as read nowadays. But, yeah, be someone who loves the word, seeks it, applies it. And if it's not popular, you still stand for it anyway because it is God's word. We've got that, that issue with homosexual marriage as well. Uh, that's not um, that's an interesting one at the moment, isn't it? Uh, and certainly the Bible's got a lot to say about uh, what marriage is and what marriage isn't, about what a good relationship is and what a good relationship isn't. Uh, but increasingly that will um, not be popular. Uh, but we need to know what the Word of God says and, and be able to articulate it and, and stand on that. This book... Have a high view of it. It's the most important book ever written. 
Uh, it contains everything that God chose to speak on uh, any given subject that's in here. Um, nothing's going to be taken away from it. Nothing's going to be added to it. Treasure it. Read it with the help of the Holy Spirit and prayer. And as you read it, um, read it slowly. Read it with a pencil and a bit of paper, writing stuff down. Uh, start the beginning, get to the end. Start the beginning, get to the end. That's, in my opinion, the best way to read it. Other people have different ideas, but that's the one that I'm going to plug this morning. Um, make it a daily process as well. You daily need to feed your physical body, don't you? You daily need to feed your uh, spiritual uh, self. And as you go through, memorise little verses. Give yourself to Bible memorization. It's very, very helpful. Um, it will help you when you come to worship. It will help you when you want to comfort and counsel someone. It will help you when you're going through a difficult time, uh, when you haven't got the word of God close at hand. Um, another little book. One of my favorite books is The Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if anyone's ever read it, but if you haven't read it, read it. Uh, and don't read a... Uh, uh, a new version of it, a revised version. Read it in the 17th century English because it is so rich. And I think you're all intelligent enough here to handle that kind of language. Um, but in terms of, of being someone who memorizes and learns scripture, there's a great little part in it which illustrates this. I'm uh, going to read a bit out. Um, hopefully you're ready for some 17th century English this morning. Uh, you've got, in chapter 15, the main character, a guy called Christian. Uh, he and his friends, he picks up a friend called Hopeful, and they've been wandering along, uh, getting to the, the Eternal City, that's where, where they're, they're destined. Um, all the names of people and places have, have meanings uh, in, in this book, so you've got Christian, he's on his, his journey. Um, and he and his friend Hopeful have been captured by the giant despair, and they've been put in Doubting Castle, uh, because the giant despair was stronger than they captured them, put them in the dungeon, and here they are. They're in Doubting Castle. They're in great distress. Uh, they're at their wit's end. They can't escape, uh, and they've been in there for several days. Uh, and then suddenly they decide, okay, let's pray. Let's pray all night. So a little quote. Now, a little time before it was day, good Christian, as one half amazed, break out in this passionate speech. What a fool, quoth he, am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon, when I may as well walk at liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then said Hopeful, that's good news, dear brother. Pluck it out of thy bosom and try. Now Hopeful is a, a nice positive character, isn't he? I'm not sure I would have said that to Christian. Why? We've been here for days. Why didn't you remember that at the start? And just have a go at him. But no, Christian, Hopeful is nice. Um, not like me. So do you get the parallels? The, the bosom is his, his heart. It's where he stored this promise, this verse of scripture. Something like perhaps uh, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Or never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Or God works out all things for the good of those who love him. Or God is love, God is faithful. This promise was a key which got him and his friend out of Doubting Castle, uh, out of the clutches of the giant despair. So be a person who gives yourself to scripture, who loves it, who learns it, who seeks to understand it. Uh, and this way will lead you into greater fear, greater knowledge of the Lord. Uh, and this as it, wisdom, it brings much good. It brings us joy. It brings us happiness, as it says in other places in Deuteronomy and in Proverbs. Uh, wisdom is to hear and to obey God. 
Matthew in uh, Jesus, sorry, Matthew seven. He's talking about uh, the wise man and the foolish man. Uh, everyone who hears these words of mine, hear the words and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and, and beat the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The rock uh, was hearing and obeying the words of Christ. And we all go through times of buffeting where uh, circumstances uh, just turn against us and awful things and heartache and pain happens. But be like a wise man. So actually when these things come, you're not going to be blown off course because you're built on the word of God. It's only the word of God that is going to sustain you. And if you don't, you'll be like the foolish man. House on the sands. The winds come along, beat and blow against the the house with the rain, and great was the fall of it. Uh, And if you stick around in churches long enough, you'll see people who once uh, seemed so promising uh, that actually they didn't listen and obey the words of Christ, and, and they fell. And there's famous examples, I'm sure we could all name them, but it's tragic, isn't it? Great was the fall of it, and it's not just them, they take people with them, don't they, when they fall? And great is the collateral damage, and we all think, oh, what if, if that person could fall? What about me? No one's safe. Ah, no, no, but you be someone who actually um, builds yourself on the word of God. They're important. It's verse 22. For they are life to those who find them and healing to their flesh. The words of God will bring you life. The words of God will bring you healing. What, what does that mean? Well, life. Uh, that's life now and that's life in eternity. Um, you take God at his word. Uh, Jesus died for you, and he died for your sins. Uh, if you believe that and you confess that, uh, live for God, turn your back in repentance on your sin, your former life, um, you will inherit eternal life. Wow, eternal life. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, God sent his sons so that we should not, have, we should not perish, but have eternal life. Life that is a hope uh, for is hope for eternity. That when we die, that is not it. That we do not go. We do not simply stop being. We do not go to hell, but actually we go to heaven or new heavens, new earth. Um, in time, don't worry about that. But for those who trust in Jesus, take him at his words. Uh, the words uh, Jesus was the Son of God. You trust in him, seek to imitate him. Um, We've got hope, we've got eternity in front of us, an eternity of joy, of experiencing and knowing God forever, where there will be no sin to get in the way, no imperfection when we come and worship. It's just going to be extraordinary. That's life in the future, but life now. John 10.10, Jesus said he came to give us life, an abundant life. Uh, The life that really matters, the abundant life here now, uh, is a life that is lived for God. You know, nothing else will remain, nothing else will last, no uh, earthly kingdom or achievements uh, on earth will matter in the long run, apart from works done to glorify God. You know, eternal life matters and eternal life has started now. Uh, in this life, uh, there, there's plenty of descriptions of what a Christian life should look like in the Bible. You take heed of these. Things like in 1 Timothy, the end, uh, chapter 6. Be someone who doesn't set your hope on the inter- uh, uncertainty of riches, but set your hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That's here on earth, stuff to enjoy. 
which do good. Be rich in good deeds. Uh, not rich financially, but actually rich in good deeds. And if God has blessed you financially, that can be part of your gift, uh, giving and supporting. Uh, being generous, being ready to share. Uh, and thus, we will treasure up for ourselves a good foundation for the future. You've got the, the idea of heavenly rewards. Actually, the way you live now, uh, you'll be rewarded for in heaven. Wow, I don't, that's extraordinary, isn't it? In some way, the good stuff we do now, stuff we do uh, for Jesus, for God that he's called us to, uh, there'll be rewards for. And I'm sure there'll be rewards we just say, actually, they're all yours, God, because you alone are worthy. Uh, but but um, there's a whole, whole can of worms open there, but I'm not going to. But you will be rewarded for how you live your life. So live your life for, for that reward. Um, store up treasure in heaven. That you'll have a good, godly, lasting legacy uh, that will be remembered and celebrated for all eternity. Don't waste your short life here on earth with triviality, but take hold of life, which is truly life. And again, you can discuss in life groups what exactly is taking hold of life, which is truly life. And I'll put it to you that actually 1 Timothy 6 would be a good place to start. So keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the streams, the springs of life. Verse 23 uh, in Proverbs 4. So what's your heart? Your heart is the center of your being. It's your inner life, it's your thinking, it's your feeling, it's where decisions happen. Uh, the Bible speaks about hearts of stone and hearts of flesh. Uh, as a way of describing us before and then after we put our faith in Christ. Our heart of stone cannot respond to God. Uh, it's an enemy to God. Uh, it loves sin, but it needs to be softened by the Holy Spirit, brought to regeneration, saved, uh, made a heart of flesh, a heart that responds, is tender and malleable in the hand of God. And this, this new heart needs to be kept with vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That is, from your heart you honour God. From your heart, this is, is your witness. Um, you need to... Be careful with your heart, because Jeremiah says that it's deceitful above all else. That actually, we do have conflicting thoughts, we have conflicting desires all the time. I'm sure I'm not the the only one. I'm sure each one of you are are there in that struggle, as we see in Romans 7 with with Paul. Seem to honour God, but actually there's stuff there's, uh, that we, we get caught up in, little sins uh, that we, we can't stop doing. Um, and whilst as Christians, our, our deepest desire is to honour God. Often uh, we don't do this. Often we do settle for the lesser, the pleasures of sin. Uh, Mark 7, Luke 6, uh, Jesus unpacks this. The thought that actually out of your heart, uh, your mouth speaks. Out of your heart, your actions come. Your actions either honour and glorify God, uh, and they're a great witness to the fallen world, uh, or... Out of your heart come things like deceit, wickedness, envy, pride, foolishness. Uh, And if you don't keep your heart, uh, you'll begin to live these lesser pleasures, pleasures of sin and not glorify God. But all of you were created to glorify God. Uh, And you can. But if you don't, it brings his name into disrepute. Because you know when you you go out shopping, go to work, whatever, your non-Christian guys, uh, friends who who meet you, you you are representing God to them. When they see you, they see what what they think God is like. That's that's quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, We need to keep our hearts uh, so that the stuff that comes out is good and they have a good impression of God and want to come along to church and get to know him. So how do you keep your heart? 
It's a process of, of seeing God as more delightful than anything else. Uh, that his glory and his fame is more important than yours or anyone else's. That he is your deepest treasure to be sought after more than riches, uh, than any other relationship or any other hobby. Uh, your heart needs to be kept with diligence. It, this is a state of, of constant delight in God. Uh, that as you go about your daily life, uh, all that you do has, has a definite godliness about it. A sincere, a real, a genuine, a natural godliness. Because as you go about life, 95% of the stuff we do is actually just done in knee-jerk reaction as we, we go about our lives. We respond off the top of our heads in conversation, in, in decisions. Generally, most things, 95% of the stuff we do, we don't actually think through very deeply. That's fine. That's generally the way we live. Um, but how do you live so this 95% of knee-jerk reaction comes from a good heart? Here we go. Keep in your heart. No surprises with the answer. You need to put good things in your heart so that good things come out. You become what you behold. So behold Christ. Get to know him. Study him, his character, his glorious achievements for mankind on the cross. So your heart, fill it with scripture. That's the best place. Fill it with Bible. Uh, Learn it. Love it. Memorize it. Get, get hold of good preachers uh, and good literature. Fill your heart with that so your heart is just soaked and marinated in it so it begins to smell like Christ as, as a good stew is left to marinate for, for as long as you possibly can so the meat is full of the rich flavour. Let your heart be soaked. Let your heart be marinated in the word of God with godly influences as you increasingly behold Jesus in worship and in prayer uh, and in his words. And this will transform your heart to increase Increased softness towards God and malleableness, um, usableness, uh, yieldedness in in His hands. Put away devious, uh, put away crooked speech, and uh, put devious talk far from you. Uh, verse twenty four. What what you say matters. Uh, doesn't the Bible talk about the fact that when we we'll give an account for every foolish word? That, yeah, whilst all our sins are taken away and our eternal destiny with Christ is secure, there, there's, there's going to be a reckoning for, for how you lived. And this is where the rewards come in uh, as well. Um, and, and the words that you say will figure uh, in this. Uh, didn't James say that, that no man can tame the tongue? Uh, it is a world of evil. And, and this is true. I'm sure you've all found that. You know, when I got my, my fingers uh, shut in the kitchen cabinet, the first thing I said uh, was not praise Jesus. It was something far worse. Uh, and one of the youth was there. It wasn't. Yeah, it's, uh, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, you didn't think I knew that word. Um, but no, or oh, I didn't say, dear wife, please, please open the door, please. Uh, my finger hurts. It's been uh, severely damaged in the door. Um, now, when, when I'm driving somewhere, uh, you know, someone pulls out on me or someone else does something silly, I'm not very quick to bless them sometimes. I'm quick to, to say other things. Uh, but actually, your speech matters uh, because it reflects what, what's, what's in, in you. Um, God desires us to put away evil talk. Uh, so you, in your conscience, need to get before God you need to think, you need to read a bit of the Bible and say, God, 
what is this, this evil talk in me? What does it look like? Uh, it could be gossip. It could be angry words. It could be unkind words. It could be just loving to put other people down. It could be filthy language. It could be conversation that's always in the gutter. Uh, but that's not the way for, for a believer. Actually, what's our language is to be seasoned with salt. It's to be uh, full of uh, good, godly flavor. Um, it's to have a flavor of Christ. It's to have a, a compassion uh, that when we talk to people, when we talk about people, uh, people love it because it is so, so good. It has a flavor of, of godliness about it. Um, Colossians 3 uh, tells us to put away obscene talk, put away... Uh, slander and lies, but actually use your speech to be thankful, to rejoice, to admonish, to teach in love, and let the word of Christ, there we go, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, so that every word that comes out of your mouth is, is to the glory of God. Make sure that every word that comes out of your mouth is to the glory of God. Whatever you do in drink, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, in word or deed, and it comes out, do it to the glory of God. So I think the last conversation that I had, did it glorify God? And if not, you need to talk to your Heavenly Father about it and seek his help to change. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue, isn't it? There's another part of Proverbs, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, that what you do with your words can either build someone up or it can tear them down. Uh, what you can say to someone can produce life in them or it can crush someone. Your if words have a massive effect on people, and I'm sure we've all, um, we're all in some way a product of the words that's been spoken to us uh, in the past, whether for good or whether for bad. If you've been constantly put down all the time, uh, you're not going to believe that, that you, you have what it takes to, to get things done. But if you've constantly been encouraged, actually you're going to have a far better attitude to, to take things on and achieve much uh, in, in life and to live a life that is joyful and productive. Okay, it's nearly 12 and we're nearly finished. 25, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet that all your ways may be sure. So as Christians, you are, we are to walk straight and we are to keep to the path. So what do these two phrases mean? The path is the Christian walk set out in front of you. It's your life. Uh, imagine it looking out across the country, down the road, through the fields. Um, it's the path that God has laid out for you. Uh, and a Christian life that 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 is is um, that is going to leave a good legacy would have been one that stays stays to the path. Uh, that when you get to God, you uh, may He says, "Well done, good and faithful servant," and and things like that. Here's the rewards for the things that you did in my name. So, what can cause you to deviate from this path? Two New Testament examples came to mind. One in James uh, 1, uh, verse 5 to 8. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So we've got the wisdom theme again. If you lack it, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. God gives wisdom, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from God. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So wisdom, fear of God, knowledge of him, comes through the mouth of Jesus. It's been written down for us in this book, and we can ask God for more wisdom. But there is, are things that come to throw, us, throw us, of course. One of these things being doubt. Uh, like the example with Christian in the castle, doubting castle with a giant despair. 
The essence of doubt is, is not taking God at his word. It's not believing the promises that he's given us. And without wishing to, to crush a tender conscience or bruise a broken reed, uh, but rather to build them up, there, there needs to come at a time, a conscious decision in your life where you work it out with prayer and with God's word and say, actually, God, I believe you on this, whatever, whatever thing it is, uh, that I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to trust in you, that you are all-powerful, that you are good. I believe what you say is true. I believe that my salvation is secure because it depends on Jesus and not me, that Jesus is the one who keeps me, um, that all things have been worked out for my good, so actually I can rejoice when evil uh, attacks, because God, in some way, you're working this out for my good, wow, and uh, just holding on to that in faith. Um, doubt is, is actually a dishonouring of God, because you, you aren't taking him at his word. So what causes, well, many people doubt. You've got loads of examples in scripture, haven't we? Uh, Abraham, he doubted God. God has said, look, you're going to have a, a child with uh, Sarah and you are going to be the father of many nations. But he thought he's getting on a bit. They're both getting old. So what does he do? He takes Hagar, Sarah's servant, and has a child there. And the problems are still going on today as a result of that, that sin, that doubt. Wait for God's timing. God's timing is different to our timing, isn't it? And sometimes God requires us to to wait a little bit more than we're actually comfortable with. But if you don't take God as his word, if you don't wait, then things are going to be a hundred times worse because you've taken things into your own hands. Be patient. Trust God. Do not leave the path that he has laid out for you. Also, do not be diverted by false doctrine. So don't be swayed by doubt or false doctrine. 1 and 2 Timothy really go to town and nail false doctrine um, and the perils of being shipwrecked by it. Essentially, the way not to be shipwrecked by false doctrine is to know the word of God and have a basic grasp of little uh, of all the major, major doctrines. Um, it's one of my goals this year to read through and make notes on systematic theology by Wayne Grudem, his version, and not everyone has the, the time for that. Uh, but you can get very helpful um, little smaller virgin versions uh, by like Mark Driscoll's book on doctrine, very, very helpful, about this thick. Uh, also, Wayne Grudem's done a, a, a slimline version as well. But just get a good basic uh, bit of doctrine, bit of scripture, bit of all that in you so that you can recognize when full stuff comes along because if you can't recognize it you'll think oh that sounds great i'm going to go for that i'm going to join that little group uh and actually it can end in in disaster do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your feet from evil final bit the best example, I think, of running from evil in Scripture uh, is Joseph and Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife. Uh, sin was offered to him on a plate, and he ran from it. And I wish more men and more women were like him. It would make pastoring and eldering a whole lot easier. Uh, and there's loads of uh, examples in Proverbs, uh, of verses that say, Do not keep wicked company. Uh, they'll lead you into sin because you'll, you'll be influenced by those you hang around with um, yeah we're in the world but we're, we're not of it so yeah spend time with, with non-Christian people we've got to we've got to have these friends and colleagues whatever to, to evangelise too to, to interact with the lost but you've got to be the strong one that isn't pulled away by their ungodly influences for example you've got uh, hang around with a group of people into, in, who are into, into betting and yeah if you're just the one there and if you're not particularly strong they're going to 
draw you in. Um, I bet they will. <laughs> Isn't that good? Nice joke to finish on. But no, you, you've got to strengthen yourself in the word of God. Be in the world but not of it. And you are influenced by the people you hang around with. So just beware of that. Um, and get to knowing God's word. What is evil? What is good? Run from the evil. Be quick to spot it. Evil is so much easier to deal with when you first recognize it, when it's small. If you sort of entertain it uh, and let it grow, then it becomes harder and harder and harder. Um, Be quick at spotting it and make your inclination to run from it rather than run to it. Because we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are children uh, of God, uh, living with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, uh, loved by God himself. And this brings you into godly lifestyle, running from evil, seeking God's glory, seeking uh, good of people. And we do this because we're loved by God, not to earn heavenly brownie points, although rewards are great uh, when we get them. Um, but that's not our chief motivation. Our chief motivation is gratitude. We're loved by God and we want to worship you and live for your glory. To make God's name more famous. Uh, more famous in everything you do, in the way you conduct yourself. Be someone who runs from evil, who sees sin and decides, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, a few examples of evil. Drunkenness, adultery, anger, malice, slander, obscene talk, lies. Anything that does not honor God. And you know that, yeah, your sin is forgiven if you've given it to him. God has removed your heart of stone. You've got a new nature. You're a new creation. Uh, you've got a heart of flesh. And your deepest desire is to please God and delight God's heart. So live from this deepest desire. Make God your treasure. Make him the most important one in your life. Him the one you delight in to spend time with in his word, in prayer. And through this, turning from evil will become easier. And with that, I finish. Main point, love God's word. It's awesome. Read it slowly, read it carefully, read it prayerfully, and it will do you much good as described in in Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. I'll pray, and then it's uh, you're free to enjoy the sunny afternoon. It's good that the fog's lifted. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we, we love you, and I pray that as a result of this morning, we would love your word, your revelation, uh, more and more, that we would seek to learn, understand, make time for it, uh, internalize it. It's actually what comes out of us, our example, our witness, our words are godly uh, and will smell of Christ to everyone we meet. And as a result, our friends and colleagues, co-workers, whatever, will come to know you and love you. Transform us, let's be renewed. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, be quick to rush upon us to reveal deep truths, um, of, of your word and I pray for everyone here myself that we would, be, we would not be a group who doubt but who trust you and trust your word we would not be a group who is swayed by different false doctrines uh, or, or even fads but actually we stick uh, to, to, to the good stuff we stick to the, the stuff that um, is, is, is true is solid we can depend on uh, give us all a, a greater knowledge of, of, of your truth that we will recognise false stuff when it comes along And, yeah, as a result of this sermon, Lord, I pray that people would be very blessed, uh, would um, walk with you closer, know you more, and grow in their fear of you and the wisdom that that brings. Amen. Amen.